Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6. We're going to be looking starting at verse 11. So an epitaph is a phrase written on a tombstone, usually sharing something significant about a person who died. Uh, Or it's a final message. I'm not going to ask how many of you have your epitaphs written already here. But I want to share some a a couple of famous epitaphs that I came across, and then a couple of not-so-famous epitaphs. So here's the first one. This is, free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty, I'm free at last. This is not DC Talk. This is Martin Luther King Jr. quoting one of his famous speeches. Here's the next one. That's all, folks. That is uh, Mel, I think it's Blanc. Mel Blanc, who's the voice actor and gave voice to Bugs Money, Daffy Duck, Porky Pig, and others. Here's a couple of uh, less known ones, but still interesting. Grandma Kay gave a fudge recipe on her, on her tombstone there. Uh, so we don't really know who she is, but we know she likes fudge. Uh, Bill Kugel, I think is how you say his name, he's a member or was a member of the Texas House of Representatives, so I just want you to guess what party he's part of. (laughs) He never voted for Republicans and had little to do with them. That's Bill there. Uh, This one's a little little more sad here. This is Andrew, abandoned in old age by wife and children. May God be more understanding and merciful. And then here's my favorite, though not necessarily a funny one. Uh, this is Mary Delincey. Apparently, the, she thought the housing association that she was part of uh, was, was picking on her because she had too many cats and because she attracted pigeons because she was feeding the birds all the time. So her epitaph reads, and this is, by the way, the whaling port that she mentions is the housing association. May eternal damnation be upon those in Wailing Port who, without knowing me, have maliciously vilified me. May the curse of God be upon them. You can just tell she had it all there. She was, she was completely sane. So we're in the last message here in Galatians. This is actually going to be the last passage that we're going to be working our way through. And Paul is actually going to be giving him, giving them these words here. In the original letter that was written, these are in his words. It says in verse 11 that we're going to start out with. He says, see with what large letters I'm writing you with my own hand. And so in that time, it was common for a person to dictate letters. And uh, apparently the, the person, the scribe, had better handwriting than Paul. And so by the time you got to the end, it was normal then for a person to, for the original author, to write a little message at the end so that they knew it was them, so they could tell sort of like their signature. And so Paul writes the large letters with his own hand, and he's going to be emphasizing what's most important here. This is sort of like his epitaph of the letter. Now, th- these are not his last words ever written. In fact, Galatians is probably one of his first letters that he wrote to the churches. But this is the last part of the letter to the churches in Galatia. And so let's count these as his final words to them, sort of like his epitaph to them. And we're going to look at the whole passage, but we're going to start out by looking at the key verse that's in verse 14. So let me go ahead and read that. But far be it for me 
to boast except in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so right here, Paul's last push in the letter, in the way it's his epitaph, is that Christians are to boast in the cross. Christians are to boast in the cross. You got that? Go ahead and let's make that appear. There we go. Christians are to boast in the cross. And what exactly, though, does he mean there when he says to boast in the cross? What does it mean to boast in the cross? Is it like, nanny, nanny, boo, boo? Like, is that what we're doing here? We're just boasting in the cross? I want to give three descriptions of it this morning, pulling out from the rest of our passage on what it means to boast in the cross. I'm going to answer that question. Here's the first one. To boast in the cross means not boasting in yourself. And we've talked about this a number of times throughout Galatians. So I'm not going to spend a lot of time here, but let me read verses 12 and 13. It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be, un- to be, force you to be circumcised and only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. So as we've been talking about the past couple of months, the Galatians, the churches there, they started out really well. They had put their faith in Christ, but then this outside force came in, this outside group came in and were telling them that they needed to believe in Jesus plus other things. And in their case, it was Jesus plus the Jewish customs. And so that is what they started doing. They started following the Jewish customs and even started circumcising themselves. Ouch! But listen, anything where you add Jesus plus, so Jesus plus anything is too much. So when we think that we need to add something else in order to be in good standing before God, what we're doing is we're falling into the trap of we're boasting in our own flesh. We're boasting in ourselves. And so we need to instead boast in Jesus Christ. And that's why Paul wrote this letter to them saying that the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ to them is that they don't have to do anything else to be right before God. They are right through Jesus, period. Period. And the same is true for us, that we don't have to do anything else to be saved. We don't have to do anything else to be right before God. And so to try to earn salvation after that is to boast in yourself or to boast in your flesh, as Paul refers to in verse 13. And this is the worldly way of doing things. Even if we say we have Jesus, if we are adding things to that, we are following the ways of the world at that point. We are turning to our flesh and we're boasting in our own powers. And that right there is a recipe for disaster. So that's the first thing that we see here. I'm not going to, again, spend a lot of time here. So we're going to move on to the second one. But the first one is to not boast in yourself. Here's the second one, though. So to boast in the cross means dying to the ways of the world. Let's look at verse 14. But far be it for me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
by which, here's the most important part, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. And so when Paul says that he's been crucified to the world, what he's essentially saying there is that world, you are dead to me. You're dead to me. I am dead to the world. It means that you're getting the ways of the world out of your life and following the ways of Jesus instead. Now, I realize I just talked about in the last point that actions do not save us. But just because they don't save us does not mean that actions do not matter. Listen, your actions are extremely important in determining the direction of your life. I was excited this week to start on a new book, a second edition on systematic theology. And so I began reading it this week, and in the first chapter, I read something that that I thought was very applicable here this morning. And so the author talks about the importance for students of systematic theology to be free from sin. And so he says, this is Wayne Grudem, he says, students of systematic theology should resolve at the beginning to keep their lives free from any disobedience to God or any known sin that would disrupt their relationship with him. They should resolve to maintain with great regularity their personal devotional lives. And then he goes on to talk about a man named Charles Hodge, who was alive around 100 years ago. He was a big-name theologian and a teacher at Princeton Seminary back at a time uh, when Princeton was more theologically conservative. And Charles Hodge taught there, but he spent two or three years going to Germany and studied in Germany. Now, Germany used to be this big place for Christianity. It was the epicenter of Christianity. Hundreds of years ago, this is where the Protestant Reformation came out. This is where a lot of big-name people came out, like Martin Luther and others. But by the time Charles Hodge got there, it was far different, very different, and the place there was spiritually dead. And so the people asked him, what happened? They asked Hodge, what was the difference? Well, why the big difference here? It was so on fire for God, and now it's not. What's the difference? And here's what Hodge said. Holiness is essential to the correct knowledge of the divine things and the great security from error. Wherever you find piety, meaning closeness to God, there you will find right doctrine. Keep your hearts with all diligence, for out of them are the issues of life. And when men lose the life of religion, religion, again, closeness to God, they can believe the most monstrous doctrines and glory in themselves. So Hodge was saying that the problem was holiness. Holiness. That they, that the, the, the church had in Germany had slowly given up on holiness and walked away from God. Here's the sad thing. It is possible to be a Christian and to not live a holy life. And when Christians wander from holiness, meaning when they start to follow the ways of the world and start to engage in sin, they will lose sight of Jesus in the cross. Christians this morning, I want you to see this. Holiness matters. Sin in your life makes an impact. 
Listen, what you do with your girlfriend or with your boyfriend matters. What you do on that business trip matters. What you do on the internet matters. What you do when you're tempted to sin matters. What you do when no one is looking, it matters. Because you have a choice. Will you follow the ways of the world or are you going to follow the ways of Jesus? And so if you follow the ways of the world, you're going to lose sight of Jesus. But if you follow the ways of Jesus by dying to your fleshly desires, then you will grow in holiness. Go ahead and put the next point up there. There you go. Uh, and in the long run, you will grow in Christ-likeness. But it, it takes sacrifice. It takes intentionality to say no to certain things in order to grow in holiness. I was reading about the Black Plague uh, back hundreds of years ago and back um, from the 14th to the 17th century. It killed 25 million alone in Europe and somewhere between 75 and 200 million in, uh, the, in worldwide. And this Black Plague was so dangerous because it had an incubation period of three to seven days. And then flu-like symptoms would appear after that. And there was this small village just outside of London called, uh, called Eme, is what I looked it up. It's, they said, how you pronounce it? And the Black Plague had spread into the village through some flea-infested infested blankets. And soon there were over 800 villagers in that little village that had the plague, the, the, the disease. And the problem was that Eme was right between, uh, was right in the middle of a trade route. And so it could easily be spread to these other big cities. And if it did, then it would have a big impact on both of those cities where mo far more than 800 would get it. And so the villagers there decided that they would self-quarantine. And so they cordoned off the, the entire village with rocks a mile radius around. And for 14 months, no one went inside or out of the village. And people brought food to them from the outside. And they would pay for it with little pieces of gold that were, that were dipped in vinegar, which they thought killed the disease. But because they could not leave, because the healthy people could not leave, the disease spread among the town and the death rate skyrocketed. And by the end of the plague there, 260 of the folks had died, twice the normal mortality rate. But out of this, many more people were saved because the plague never spread to the other towns. All right, now why am I talking about the Black Plague here this morning? Because just like the villagers had to sacrifice, we as Christians at times are called to sacrifice as well. Being a Christian means sacrificing immediate pleasure at time in order to benefit in the long run spiritually. And that's why Paul says in verse 17, he says, from now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. And those marks that he's talking about 
are the, the physical persecution that he experienced as a Christian and as a missionary going from town to town. He was beaten and stoned and lashed and, and all of the, and, and, and prison and chained. And those are physical marks left on his body. Now, we right now live in a time where we should not most likely be getting physical marks on our body as Christians, at least here in America. But don't think that we are not called to sacrifice. There's times where pursuing holiness is going to leave a mark on us. There's times where pursuing holiness is going to feel like we're suffering, feel like we're lacking, or feel like we're having to say no to certain things. But it's only when we say no to these things that we set ourselves up in the future for benefiting and for growing spiritually and growing closer to God. And so if you want to live a cross-centered life, if you want to boast in the cross, then you must learn and must be intentional about getting the ways of the world out of your life and putting Jesus in yourself, in your life instead. This leads to the third thing. And so our last little point here, last description, to boast in the cross means embracing the gospel in your own life. Verse 15. For neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. And as for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and the Israel of God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. Amen. That last part, that's his way of saying so long, goodbye. Uh, But that first part there, Paul says that circumcision, so following the Jewish customs, or uncircumcision, not following the Jewish customs, he says it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because what matters is that you are a new creation. That if you have turned to Jesus, you are a new creation. You see, when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, there's several things that immediately happen uh, without your even knowing. That the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of you. And then you're immediately adopted into the family of God. And then your sins are immediately washed away. You're as white as snow. And the Holy Spirit at that point begins transforming your life. It's called sanctification. Now, you're not going to be perfect at this point, but you are saved and you are a new creation at that point as God has taken away the old and is beginning to form the new in you. And then Jesus, because of this, Jesus sacrifices life in order to save us, in order to make us a new creation, and he conquered death. And by turning to Jesus, we are saved, and saved from hell, and saved from trying to earn salvation, and saved to be a child of God. And so to boast in the cross is to boast in these things, is to boast not in the abilities, not in what you can do, because you can't do anything spiritually, but it's to boast in in, in, in the gospel, it means making the most, making the gospel message the most important part of your life. I have here a, a little box. Uh, and what I want you to see here is I want you to think of this as what's most important to you. Because usually what ends up happening, we have lots of things in our life, but it's usually only those things that are most important to us that get our attention, that we focus on. 
And so we can say, you know, we love Jesus. We can go to church from time to time. But if we have other things that are in the way, what we're doing here is we're basically taking what's most important to us and it, and it blocks our vision from other things. And when it blocks our vision from other things, even if Jesus is right near us, even if he's in our life, when we're focused, so focused on the other things, we can't see or we can't focus on Jesus then. And so part of living the cross-centered life, part of boasting in the cross, is is to take the things that are most important to you and push them aside a little bit and then take Jesus and move him here so that he is center on your life. So that he has control of your life. So that you, so that he is the one that you are focused on. Because if you are focusing on other things, even if you love Jesus, then you're going to be distracted from him and you're going to be missing out on following after him at times. So you can say you love Jesus, but where is your love? Where is your attention? What are you putting, so to speak, over your head? That's what is most important to you. And I want to encourage you. Take the gospel. Take Jesus and make him the most important part of your life. I want to close uh, or start. No, we're not done yet. Hold on. I want to start to wrap up. How's that? I want to start to wrap up with how should we respond to uh, this idea of living the cross-centered life. So I want to give you three things to think about here. We'll go through them quickly. First of all, we need to turn to Jesus. Turn to Jesus. If you've never made Jesus your Lord and Savior, then it starts with that. Uh, You you can't take these other steps if you've never put your faith in him. So it starts with inviting Jesus to be the Lord of your life. Someone was telling me recently about a boy uh, that, that she liked in college. And uh, the boy uh, liked her back. She even had dreams of marrying him one day. Uh, But there was a problem. This boy was super shy. And even though it seemed like he liked her, he never asked her out. And so eventually, she moved on. She moved on. And the poor boy never, never got maybe the woman of his dreams. But I want to encourage you. Don't be like that boy, spiritually speaking. Don't be like that boy where, where Jesus is, is sort of in your life a little bit, but he's not invited in to your life. Where he's maybe in your thoughts, he's over here, you, you know a little bit about him at Christmas time, maybe at Easter, but he's not the Lord of your life. And so if you want to be saved, if you want to be part of the family of God, you need to invite him into your entire life, every part of you. Invite him in. So it starts with turning to Jesus. But here's the second thing, that if we want to boast in the cross, if we want to live a cross-centered life, then we must get blatant sin out of our life. We're never going to be perfect, but there's a difference between not being perfect and blatantly sinning. And listen, you are never going to grow spiritually much if you are a Christian who, who is blatantly following after sin. Because, because when you are a Christian, the Holy Spirit is in your life and he is essentially battling now for your heart. 
But if you have some other stuff that you're really focused on, that you're pursuing, there is this tension where you're going to have to make the decision, which one am I going to follow? And if you decide to follow after those sins in your life instead of what God is leading you to do, then you have to harden your heart to not listen to the Holy Spirit in you. And as you harden your heart, you're not going to grow. You're not going to, you're going to be like a Christian that just never grows. That just never takes that next step of faith and the next step. And so if, if you want to grow spiritually, then it, one of the steps is you must get blatant sin out of, my, out of your life. Again, you will never be perfect. But there's a difference between not being perfect and actively pursuing sins that you know you should not be doing. That you know the Bible saying, don't do that. That you know the Holy Spirit is, is weighing on your heart saying, that is not right. And so if you do not get those out of your life, it is going to drag you down spiritually. Here's the last thing. Pursue Jesus. So we, I, I talked about turning to Jesus, getting the sin, but we also are called to pursue after him. And so we need to get in the word of God. We need to spend time with him. We need to go to church, be in church where, where we hear the word of God preached to us. We need to grow in habits that, that, that will help us grow spiritually. And the more that you do this, the more that you will learn how to boast in the cross of Jesus and how to follow after Jesus and how to make Jesus the Lord of your life. The cross matters. The cross matters. And so we must make the cross central in our life. I was reading about him in Paraguay. There's this doctor who spoke out against the, the human rights abuses of the government. And uh, the local police took revenge on the doctor by kidnapping his teenage son and beating him to death. The townspeople were furious and they wanted to create, do a big protest during the funeral. But instead, the father chose a different type of protest. He, for the funeral, he took the body of his son broken and bruised and beaten, and he laid him out on the mattress where he was found, the bloodied mattress, and the, 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 for the funeral, they walked past him in that position there. Not in a coffin, but on top of a mattress where everyone could see his broken and bruised body. And that made an impact in that community. And likewise, think about what Jesus did for us where he died, where he suffered for us in front of everyone. And he was spit on and beaten and falsely accused and treated very poorly. And yet, he didn't do anything. But he did it for us. He did it out of love for us. And so as we think about the cross, as we, in essence, as we're studying this, as we're walking past the cross of Jesus, uh, symbolically speaking, we need to remember that Jesus did this for us and that he loves us and that the best thing that we can do is turn to him as, as the one who died for us and loved us. All right. Now let me close with this story. There's an Anglican archbishop and there are three hardened boys who went to confession to him and uh, they wanted to make a joke out of it. And so they planned to confess all these horrid sins that they didn't actually commit 
to the person. And uh, so the, 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 they went to this priest and they started confessing all these horrible things that they didn't actually do. But the priest saw through their jokes and he went along with it. And so the first boy came in and out laughing. The second boy came in and out laughing. But the third boy started giving his fake confession. And then when he was done, the, the priest told him, okay, now that you've confessed these sins, I want you to do something to show your repentance. I want you to walk up to the far end of the church. And I want you to look at the picture of Jesus hanging on the cross. And I want you to look at him in the face and tell him, you did all that for me and I don't care that much. And I want you to do that three times. So the boy walked to the front and he looked at the picture of Jesus and stared at him in the face. And he said, you did all that for me and I don't care that much. And then he said it again, but in the third time, he couldn't say it because he broke down in tears. And from that point forward, that boy's life was radically changed. And the archbishop telling this story says, the reason I know that story is because I was the young man who was told to go down and talk to the picture of Jesus. And then he goes on to talk about how there is something about the cross Something about Jesus dying there for us, which leaps all over or over all the theoretical discussions and it grasps, grasps us. And when we're grasped by it, somehow we have a sense that what is grasping us is the love of God. And so I started out by talking about epitaphs and the cross is Jesus' epitaph for us. The cross is his bloody message that it is finished, that you don't have to do anything to strive, to get anything, to do anything to be right before God. It's his message full of scars that he loves you and that he died for you and that his blood was shed for you. And so the big question now, this morning, is what are you going to do with that message that he's given you? Are you going to grab onto it? And are you going to boast in the cross? Or are you going to ignore it and boast in your own power or flesh? I'm going to ask the worship team to come on up. We're going to close with one last song. As we do that, I want you to spend just a moment in prayer. You can sing along or you can just, um, just contemplate what's going on in your own life. But I want to challenge you, don't leave here the same. Don't leave here intentionally saying, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I, I know what the pastor said, but I, I'm just going to keep doing what I've been doing. Let's be intentional and turn to Jesus and ask him for help. Ask him uh, for, for, for help overcoming the sins in your life. Ask him to be the Lord of your life this morning. Let's go ahead and pray.